This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. Little did I know I'd be talking about COVID. I'd feel like I have COVID. Not really. I'll tell you, I'm still knocked out. Been a rough couple of days. And now my wife, she has it. My daughter's not feeling too well. Tough times, you know. It's crazy to me. Uh, you know, there was a group of us, a group of friends that were sick that encountered another group loosely. And this virus spread. I brought it home. And boom. And just like that, my family had it. It's crazy. I don't know, I'm not describing that very well. It's, it's crazy uh, how um, uh, I- impactful, debilitating, whatever you want to say. You know, men are babies anyway. I know there's a lot of women listening, and this is always the big joke. And it really is. It's pretty funny when you think about it, but it's, it doesn't feel that way when you're going through it. Anyway... I'm just trying to stay on course. If it's one thing it's done for me, it's a reminder to stay regimented. I've been taking my probiotics and drinking my green smoothies, being a little more diligent about that, and that's always a good thing. So let me let me tee this up, you know, in the context of what we've been talking about this week. It was laying out, you know, things you probably already know about the Democratic Party and and the agenda and you know, certainly there's different ways of looking at all these things. And um, I think I think there definitely is a, an ideological war going on, a spiritual war. I don't know, pretty ven- venomous, venomous, venomous. Any way you want to dice it, right? Um, but then there's the, this issue of COVID and, you know, where it came from and you know, how it was responded to. The impact of that, huge, really, right? You, I mean, if you've lived through it, you know that. And I'm going to talk about a lot of that very specifically. And you have to ask yourself, well, let me let me go through the story. Let me go through the story. I get this email from a buddy of mine who's a liberal. I don't even know if it's accurate to say that. He, uh, he voted for Trump. Now he's back to being a Democrat, hates Trump, loved Obama. Uh, I don't know. He's voting for. He voted. I'm pretty sure he voted for Fetterman by mail, um, and and Shapiro. And I can't believe it. He complains about everything that's wrong. And I said, "Don't you realize this is what they wanted to do?" And he just, I, I, I don't remember that. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Something else is going on there. I don't know. It's a goofy thing. This whole politics thing. Well, anyway. I guess you'd say he's liberal, right? And um, so whatever, I guess. I mean, whatever you, you know, I, I, I've kind of given up trying to, like, all right. I mean, look, if you think that, that encouraging uh, children to, all the stuff we talked about, I really can't go down the whole list, right? Destroying energy, destroying our culture, destroying our board, destroying all these. You think breaking it down in favor of something better that nobody's even really been able to define, at least not clearly, um, I don't know what to say anymore, right? It's like, go ahead and tear it down, and I guess you'll figure it out when you get there one way or the other. Hopefully, I don't know, those of us that maintain our sanity, I don't know. What do we What do we have left? 
anyway, he sends me this video on COVID. And let me read the email to you. He says, uh, watch the entire video by my uh, by Dr. Campbell, my buddy in England. Almost three years ago, I said COVID is man-made since nothing in nature, virus-wise, does what this virus is doing, that is replicating itself in a new version nonstop. It was either released in China by accident or on purpose. Regardless, they're still working on gain-of-function here and other places. He says, we're paying people to lie to us. What kind of future do our children have? So, this is a video by Dr. Campbell, which I have in the show notes, uh, is, a, is a, a guy that I've watched before. And I've often wondered why it doesn't get shut down by YouTube. Uh, but I guess because he only really just points out things in the research papers. And it's really pretty phenomenal. Like, and I, I don't think he, he runs, I don't know if he runs ads or anything like that. I don't think so. I think this is just, I don't know what he's doing. He's got actually got a YouTube like gold award there. He knows how to play within the rules, I guess. Fantastic that you think about it. There's, there's this truth that's able to get out there. A little hard to trust that, right? Anyway, he goes through this story of Boston University, which you heard me talking about. Which, if they can manufacture, they've proven that they can manufacture these viruses. There's no doubt at this point. Not that I really had any doubt, not that many other people did either. But now there's zero doubt that they've shown that they have this ability to do this. Now, what my friend said was, hey, you got this virus. And the reason he he sees proof that it's man-made is because there's nothing in nature that replicates uh, and, and modifies itself in this way. And, um, you know, you, you could argue that, but you could at least say that it's, it's uh, unique, right? And that's what made it the, the novel coronavirus. How, how great for a biological weapon, for example. Not saying that was the case, of course. So... The doctor talks about this gain-of-function research, and I believe he goes well into these pleas to stop doing what they're doing. Because if you can imagine, Boston University takes the the Wuhan COVID and makes it, I don't know, 10 times, 100 times worse? Can you imagine? And, and, you know, they're arguing over this death rate thing. Well, I don't, it's not accurate to say that. Well, you can look at it differently. Yeah, if that thing starts replicating at that level, and Dr. Campbell makes this point, killed 80% of the mice. So what would it do in humans? 40%? And there was something about these mice that they had been, uh, their DNA altered to respond more like humans. Fascinating, really, the stuff that they're doing. Um, but anyway... He said, even if it's 4% mortality rate, do you realize what we're talking about? And they're just playing around with this thing at Boston University. So as I'm watching Dr. Campbell, I'm thinking to myself, okay, where did the money come from for this? You know, what are the chances that this is another situation where, you know, we the taxpayers are funding our own destruction, basically? Well, it turns out that that question is an important question. An important question after all. Uh, the Boston University lab 
was not required to clear potentially controversial study with the National Institute of Health because the money was from the university itself. The university paid for the study. If it was being paid for with federal funding, then this wouldn't be allowed. So I guess there's no law to stop it. They just have a rule that if uh, if you want federal funding, that you, you can't do these same types of tests. So they said, okay, we'll just pay for it with our own money. Pretty fascinating, right? Well, Boston's the university's own money. Sure it was, after they got it from the federal government, right? This to this. Uh, here we go. Boston University research benefits from first federal funding boost in years. Stalled project advanced projects advance under last month's budget agreement. <laughs> Do I really need to go in this? There we go. What is this? Nine hundred and thirty-six million. Funding for research on Alzheimer's disease has almost doubled in the past six months, from four hundred and forty-eight million to nine hundred and thirty-six million, which is amazing. And at least to me, unexpected. <laughs> it's great. So all of a sudden, they just have all the uh, uh, extra money that they can spend on COVID research. This goes on and on. I'm barely scratching the surface. And so what I want you to understand is, whether directly or indirectly, our federal government is funding this crazy research that researchers around the world are screaming, begging to have stopped. But yet it continues, and the money continues to flow. My second question is, what is the purpose of this research that Boston University is doing? And he he loosely explains that, I guess, from the the study that he was sharing. and it was loosely to study the effect on the lungs, I think especially deep tissue in the lungs, and that's the, the claim. So they carefully skirted around this issue of using federal funding for this purpose, and it could just as easily be stated that they're making bioweapons. You could just as easily make that allegation. There was no disclosure. Why wouldn't they disclose it anyway? Why would you even embark on such a lunacy? Well, we wanted to see how it would affect the tissue, lung tissue, what could happen. All right, we don't necessarily have to play out every uh, bizarre science uh, experiment. No, not making too much conspiracy theory. This is, uh, is there a date on this? August 1st, 2019. You don't think Boston University is is capable of of, uh, participating? in some type of of, uh, action that could be woefully malicious. Look at what happened in Wuhan, just by a state of the industry. Are they capable of going further? Here's an article from 2019, The Brink, Boston University publication. The link is in the show notes. Why we need a contraception revolution. Boston University OBGYN microbiologist Deborah Anderson argues that new birth control approaches are needed to combat overpopulation and climate change. Now, make that statement. This is NLP. And now it's just fixed. You've agreed that there is overpopulation and climate change. Says who? Says who? Well, there's lots of people. I'm not doubting that there aren't. There's lots of people that say otherwise. 
Dr. Anderson, uh, well, here you go. 40% of the world's pregnancies are unintended. And as the population increases, so does the strain on the environment. Boston University OBGYN Deborah Anderson says that the time has come to innovate better birth control options. Um, we have already exceeded the Earth's predicted carrying capacity, and climate change will make things worse. So they want to reduce the population. They're printing papers on it. Now, you know, you say, well, this is all conspiracy. I don't know anybody at Boston University. I'm in no position to be making any accusations about Boston University. I really don't know what goes on. But there certainly appears to be the materials, the resources, and the reason to, to support carrying this out. Am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me they couldn't be acting. Uh, tell me that there couldn't be somebody within the organization. That you've seen this over and over again, where suddenly these secrets end up in the, in the hands of the Chinese or the Iranians. Could you imagine? They're putting this spectacular little COVID on a, on a drone. What would happen then? Maybe they'll test it in Ukraine. Maybe they already are. Why hasn't that been happening? My next question about all this, whose political campaigns has Boston University contributed to? Right? So you got federal money flowing into Boston University. Right? Don't blame me. Boston University's playing around with the COVID vaccine in like Wuhan ways. Um, let me see. Uh, I don't know if this was it. I thought I had the link here. It's all Democrats, though, basically. Uh, I thought I had the exact link here. What happened? I don't know. Hmm. All right. Well, I don't have the link to cite, but typically all Democrats. So there's money flowing in, no regulation on what they're doing. There's straight facts, no conspiracy, millions and millions of dollars flowing in, no oversight, because it's not under the federal funding, according to them, no regulation on what they're doing. They could, these are, could turn into weapons of mass destruction. Does any of that sound responsible? No conspiracy theory there. Why would you allow that to continue? Because it's convenient for the university. Just keep throwing a couple of bucks back to the Democrats that award them this money, and all is good. It's a big rotating cycle. Really beginning to shape up to, uh, at what point does negligence become a crime against humanity? Is that possible? You, you know, you have criminal negligence because you have criminal negligence as a crime against humanity. If, say, you were, you were creating a, a deadly virus in a, in a lab at a university, and you were, you know, in, in the chain of command that was allowing that to go on, knowing it was taking place, that there could be uh, death rates as high as 80%. Now, here's the other thing. Everybody's just assuming that humans aren't going to get us sick from it. You don't know that. Look at what happened with the Wuhan flu. Nobody's produced a bunch of sick bats, but we seem to sure get sick from it. How do you know it's not going to be worse? Either way. Well, you've got people with much better credentials on this than me begging for it to stop. Paid for via research grants from the CDC or the NIH. If it wasn't available, this research would not be taking place. Dr. Campbell works for the NHS, my buddy. He claims 
he claims nothing going on. You can read this for yourself if you want, but he's just wrapping up Campbell's points there. You know, this is like the the, um, the Trump dossier. It's coming out now. People are acting like it's a new thing. They said the FBI offered to pay Christopher Steele a million dollars. I'm pretty sure it was released that the FBI did, in fact, make payments to Christopher Steele. How in the hell is that allowed to go on? I talked about it. Everybody's going, oh, this new rebel. I talked about it when it happened. All published right in the open. Nobody watching, nobody paying attention, nobody doing a doggone thing about it. So, you know, here's another thing. Let me go into this a little different angle. I said I'm going to talk about the effects of the pandemic. Did the pandemic change people's personalities? This is from Vice, which I'm not a big fan of Vice, but uh, every once in a while they hit one. Uh, Did the pandemic change people's personalities? New research reported that people experienced around a decade's worth of personality changes over the two years of COVID-19 pandemic. Ten years changed. That was a real eye-opener for me. Let me ask you, do you feel like there's been changes in people? I see it all over. It's like I woke up to a new world. Crazy to me. Still freaks me out. Some will tell you that people people don't change, but current science tends to disagree. A person's personality can change naturally over time or deliberately with effort. You can change collectively, apparently, thanks to a global health crisis. Mm. Thanks to a global health crisis, huh? New research published uh, recently that American adults experiencing changes in their personalities over the pandemic. The changes were small, but equivalent to around 10 years worth of changes in only two years. Survey data from 7,000 adults, blah, 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 blah. Reported uh, declines in extroversion, openness, agreeableness, conscientiousness, uh, personality traits to help people navigate social situations, trust in others, and acting responsibly. Particularly susceptible to these changes were young adults who also showed an increase in uh, neuroticism later in the pandemic, from all the drugs. Younger adults become moodier and more prone to stress, less cooperative and trusting, and less restrained and responsible. What do you do if you're like 20 and you're trying to date through the pandemic? These kids that graduated high school and didn't have graduations. Crazy, really, when you think about it. Some of the damage that was done. It'll be years to recover. It really will. People, people were affected by it, maybe all by design. And they're going to continue playing with these viruses? So this is interesting here. Let me tie this all back together. This goes back to the Boston University uh, claim that the world is overpopulated. Says who? You know, so what independence real studies have there been? They, you know, I know they have these doomsday clocks and these different calculators. They're all mathematical calculations. They're not rooted in reality. Not one of these, these predictions I've heard. Doomsday scenarios my entire life has ever come true. Now, I don't use that as a, as a reason, of, uh, as a way of just say, well, it hasn't happened yet. You know, just because the, the last thread of the bolt hasn't come off and the whole bridge come down doesn't mean that it won't happen once the next car goes up on there. You really never know. But the fact of the matter is, some of this stuff just is, is not plausible at all. And the actions aren't consistent with what they claim to be the problem. 
So this guy, Norel Rubini, is seriously reconsidering whether he wants to continue living in New York. He's saying that New York is going to get wiped off the map, and he goes through this whole big, long doomsday scenario. Guess where he comes from? New York University. New York economics professor Nurel Rubini foresees a hellish future for New York City where he now lives, predicting a nuclear attack from Russia followed by a superstorm that will put New York City underwater within the next two decades. This guy is nuts. What is up with all these college professors that are depressed and uh, predicting these end-of-the-world scenarios? I guess the truth of the matter is you have plenty on the uh, right-wingers saying the same, right? It's going to be just a matter of what to do about it. I'm going to fight to the bitter end, use this conflict as a, as a, a, a way to fight instead of looking for solutions. He talks about a $52 billion proposal by the Army Corps of Engineers to build sea barriers for the city. He said he won't do it. It'll be a drop in the bucket. In other words, spend more. I wonder if there's any chance he, maybe he owns a consulting group or uh, a construction company or something like that that stands to make a lot of money from these predictions, building seawalls and whatnot. He first came to prominence 16, 16 years ago, correctly predicting the collapse of the housing market and the emergence of a worldwide recession. And now he's back with a new book, Mega Threats, 10, 10 Dangerous Trends That Imperil Our Future and How to Survive Them. Uh, Rubini sees global devastation everywhere, financial crisis, I agree, uh, and will be long and ugly, he said, something that I've said as well. People aren't going to just walk away from institutions that have their lives tied up, such as retirement. Even with his reputation, he's done nothing to discourage the Dr. Doom moniker. It's uh, still jarring to hear Rubini, Rubini talk, especially when he starts connecting the dots. He contemplates whether to stay in New York, where he resides in a 3,700-foot triplex in the East Village. He considers that a good third of the U.S. will not be habitable over in the next 20 years because of climate change. No evidence to support that, by the way. Just, oh, Dr. Rubini, Hussini, Mubini from New York University says, look at this, crazy. The nation's coasts will be flooded. Uh, you know, I don't know. Look, I would tend to agree. First of all, I wouldn't want to uh, live in New York City. Uh, I, I don't know about it being underwater and being nuked, but... I think the problems are going to be a little more homegrown and probably made worse by what this guy's doing. What am I talking about? I don't know how you can properly manage a community when any given day you can wake up to a, a different population. People that have incredible social needs, put incredible burdens on the school district. This isn't conspiracy theory. It's not racist. You know, I've said this before. You take a classroom of 30 kids. One of those kids in that classroom has parents that are mentally ill. Right? So the kid's probably going to bring some of that with them. One of those kids is going to have parents that are addicted to drugs. matter of fact, the, the chances are about three of those kids are going to have parents that are addicted to drugs. One of those kids will have parents that's abusive, et cetera, et cetera. You got five or six kids in that classroom that are serious, serious needs. 
And, and then you maybe have parents that don't speak English. They come from different cultures, and they want you to adjust to them, not vice versa. This is very dangerous. You tell me how the poor little white, old white lady teacher is supposed to understand all the customs of every nationality that shows up on the doorstep today, and that somehow that's fair that she's supposed to adjust to all these people. How is that fair exactly? And if they don't, they're going to get sued, they're going to get fired. This is no way to live under this fear, this thumb. No wonder they can't fill the jobs. They'll just walk away from it. We're going to have a bunch of illegal immigrants in here with no schools, no teachers, no cops. They're just going to caged off in these ghettos, which to me is the more serious threat. What's a female end up doing this? Put all these migrants in these vast urban areas and then just lock them down, become like uh, Israel, Palestine. Lock them down, throw food over the fence, just enough to keep them alive and fighting with each other. I don't have a lot of good to say. Dr. Doom here, uh, you know, he preaches nothing but devastation. The only difference I would say is it's avoidable. It's completely avoidable. All of this. The war, why isn't anybody talking about peace talks? Everything you hear coming out of the news, war, war, war. They say the world's overpopulated, we need less people, we need to cut back, the environment, one way or the other, it's going to happen, we'll do whatever we have to do. And they demonstrate it every day, but people just seem numb to it, they say, okay, yeah, one day closer to complete devastation. I don't know, what does it take? What does it take? Some... some, master's student at uh, Boston University, you know, forget to, to whatever, pulls cuffling down or whatever in a suit, and out comes uh, super COVID, where 8% of the people are dying. Can you imagine? 1 in 10, 1 in 11, dead? I don't know. When it seems to me that they're engineering these things. What else are they working on? They say, well, there's four bio labs in the United States. What about all these universities? Why is there so many in Ukraine? Why are there so many of these things just finding this out? No wonder everybody's sick all the time. This brings into question everything. I'm going to wrap this up, and I'm going to knock it off early. I'm really still not feeling well. Hopefully, hopefully I'll feel better. Uh, I hope you don't mind. Uh, I got this. The link is in the show notes. You can check it out for yourself on the uh, made law in Canada, which is medical assistance in dying, uh, self-prescribed euthanasia. I guess you could say that's what it is. Euthanasia. If you remember, if you're old enough to remember the Dr. Kevorkian, and he was euthanizing people, and um, you know, the people begged him to help them, uh, couldn't stand the pain, et cetera, et cetera, and. What he was doing was, uh, you know, very humane. And, uh, you know, the, the, this law of personal choice, this argument, it's interesting how it's, it's getting fought over. Because you say, well, you can't deny me the right to protect myself. So you can't deny me the right to abort a fetus uh, or abort myself, I guess, if that's what it, if you want. And so they have some changes in this and that. One is that the mental illness... Um, is not allowed to be a reason to do it, right? Uh, which I would say is good. Uh, it seems to me to be a little loose in the in the um, you know the framework for this. Maybe they're leaving it up to these individual operations to dictate how this is going to go. And I guess that's fair enough if they are. 
if you're comfortable that all that's acceptable. But this is a real departure, real departure from what was once considered acceptable. Maybe it never really was. Maybe it never really was. You know, maybe people have been doing this on some level for a long time. It just wasn't talked about. Maybe that's the problem. It's just come to light. But how do you feel about it? I'll tell you right now, as bad as this flu is, I'm like, man, no. I mean, that's part of, I think, the concern. You know, I've talked to my wife about that. I'm a DNR guy for the most part. Um, I just, I, I couldn't live as a vegetable or... I just, you know, whatever's going to run its course, I need to run its course for the most part. Uh, At the same time, I do believe that uh, where there's ways to provide comfort, we should take the comfort. You know, you hear these stories back in the Civil War when they're like sawing guys shattered legs off and stuff while they gave them a shot of whiskey and, and a rag to chew on. I'm like, that's tough duty, man. Seriously. I don't know how you really expect somebody to, hey, listen. This is gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt you a lot more than it's gonna hurt me. But I'm gonna saw as fast as I can, brother. It's crazy when you think about it. Really crazy. Um, I don't know. I'm sure that there was a, a little more to it. The body's an amazing thing. The, the pain sends you over an edge, and um, you know, just you don't really feel it anymore, where it's blocked out. And so, I guess what I'm saying is, I wonder if it's not another Pandora's box. Another scorpion where you say, well, you know, for the guy with stage four lung cancer, just going to be living in bed, miserable. You know, what's the point? Let him say his goodbyes with dignity, right? It sounds good. Are we opening up uh, a Pandora's box where you're going to see it be expanded, expanded into something that's completely ludicrous, given given enough time? Perhaps. We don't know the history on it. What do you think about it? I'd love to hear from you. Let me know. Info at ChristopherScottShow.com, or you can leave a message right on the website at ChristopherScottShow.com. God willing, I hope to be back tomorrow. Hope to see you there. Make it a great day.